And interestingly, I found that about half of the work was the work that I was trained to do. I was working with people who had had injuries to their brain or illnesses that impacted brain health. But the other half of my work was really different. And what I was finding is I was having all these folks coming into my office, usually younger folks uh, doing really well day to day. They had great jobs. They loved their careers. They had happy families. But they're complaining about their memory. They're saying, you know, I just can't remember anything. I'm losing my phone 400 times a day. I can't seem to stay focused on anything. But when we did all the tasks that we do to evaluate brain health, they were totally normal. There was nothing wrong with their brains. So it really got me interested in what other aspects of our daily lives, of our habits, of the mental uh, routines that we can get into can really impact our thinking efficiency. And what I found was that for a lot of these folks, they were totally burnt out and overwhelmed. Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about being a better human through good habits, challenging yourself, learning from a wide range of experts, and celebrating all of the little wins along the way. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada. After 19 years of working with patients to help them take on better habits for health and wellness, as well as a year of personal monthly habit challenges, I've learned how our daily choices impact and ultimately create our lives. So I'm getting intentional about my habits and routines, and I'm hoping to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall your own best self. Today's episode is episode 155 of the Improvement Project podcast. And today I am welcoming a special guest who is going to walk us through how to use your brain's default systems and habits to get more done in a day. Dr. Nicole Byers is a neuropsychologist, speaker, host of the Bold Life podcast, and CEO of Rocky Mountain Neurosciences in Calgary, Canada. She's an ambitious overachiever herself, a self-described neuroscience nerd, and mom to one very opinionated preschooler who keeps her on her toes. Nicole helps folks overcome the mental habits that are keeping them stuck in self-doubt, overwhelm and stress so they can have the confidence to go after their goals. I was so excited when Nicole reached out to me via email and offered to share some of her expertise here on the Improvement Project. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I'm so excited you're here. And I would love to jump right in and get to know you a little more and have you share your story with us. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what has brought you to where you are now? Sure. Uh, Like you mentioned, my background is in neuropsychology and what's called a neuropsychologist by training, which is just a fancy word for a psychologist who studies brain health. So initially my career goals, I went to university for a really long time and I had this dream of working in a hospital with folks who had had injuries or illnesses that impacted their brain. I've always been interested in brain health, why our brains work the way they do, why we do the things that we do. So anyways, I went through a long stretch of university, as you did as well, and I got my dream job in a hospital. And interestingly, I found that about half of the work was the work that I was trained to do. I was working with people who had had injuries to their brain or illnesses that impacted brain health. But the other half of my work was really different. And what I was finding is I was having all these folks coming into my office, usually younger folks uh, doing really well day to day. They had great jobs. They loved their careers. They had happy families. But they're complaining about their memory. 
they're saying, you know, I just can't remember anything. I'm losing my phone 400 times a day. I can't seem to stay focused on anything. But when we did all the tasks that we do to evaluate brain health, they were totally normal. There was nothing wrong with their brains. So it really got me interested in what other aspects of our daily lives, of our habits, of the mental uh, routines that we can get into can really impact our thinking efficiency. And what I found was that for a lot of these folks, they were totally burnt out and overwhelmed. So like I mentioned, there'd be folks who you know love their job, they love their career, and they're telling me about how great their days are, and they're working like 10, 12 hour days, six days a week, and they're working super hard, they're not really sleeping, they're not really taking care of their bodies, it's work and nothing else, and no wonder that they're having trouble remembering where they put their phone. I'm overwhelmed just listening to them, right? Yeah, no kidding. So yeah, so it really got me interested in, you know, what other what other patterns of our behavior, what could be impacting us, leading to this feeling of overwhelm, leading to changes in our thinking skills, and really about the psychology and the habits, just as you teach about, that can lead us to this point. So that kind of was my jumping off point for, for my career. I ended up leaving the hospital, going into private practice, doing a lot more work on helping individuals find those default modes of thinking that can be getting in our way, leading to stress, overwhelm, self-doubt, and really not living our best lives. Amazing. Okay, cool. And on top of that, you also have the Bold Life podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So my podcast, The Bold Life, was a quarantine project last year. We, um, like a lot of folks, in March of 2020, my prior practice got shut down for six weeks. Everything was closed. And I'd always wanted to start a podcast. I'd always wanted to be able to reach more people. Actually, at that time, kind of pre COVID, my goal was to start doing a lot more public speaking. Then, of course, none of us were traveling anywhere. We're still not really traveling anywhere. So I thought, you know, a podcast might be a great way to reach more folks and to get my message out there and to get these tips and strategies. So I started this podcast with the goal of sharing strategies to get out of self-doubt, to stop judging ourselves all the time, to challenge that inner perfectionist, that inner people pleaser that can lead to a lot of this burnout for us because we're so focused on being perfect or doing the right thing or all these things that I should be doing all the time. And these mental habits can really reduce our thinking efficiency. So that led to my podcast. Oh my gosh, I love it. And I've listened to a few episodes and it's really great. So uh, listeners, go and check out Nicole's podcast. I'll put links in the show notes so you can check it out. Now, I want to come back to what you're talking about, about these habits around how your brain works. But I know that my, my listeners, generally speaking, like to hear about the habits of the people that come on the podcast. So I'm really very interested in the routines of busy, successful women such as yourself, and especially your routine in the morning. So I want to know, do you have a specific morning routine that you follow? Are there any non-negotiable activities that happen for you every morning? So I actually, I start my morning routine the night before because I am not a morning person. My brain takes a long time to get up and going in the morning. And I also have a four-year-old who is somewhat needy in the morning and she runs in full of energy and wants my attention right away. So I actually start the night before. I do a lot of my morning prep in the evening. So I, for example, I pick out my outfit for the next day every night before I go to bed. I make my lunch every day before I go to bed. I pack my bag for work before I go to bed. I plan my next day. You know, I sit down and look at my work calendar and plan it out the night before because I know morning is not a good 
time for me. And if I had to make all those decisions first thing in the morning, I would make no decisions and I would stand there and stare at my closet for like 20 minutes and not know what to do. What I do do, I do have a um, a routine in the morning in terms of getting ready. Like I said, it incorporates my daughter now as well. But, you know, we we get up, I get her downstairs, I get her eating her breakfast, then I go back upstairs, get myself ready, come back downstairs. We both eat the same thing every day. We have Cheerios for breakfast every day. I've had Cheerios for like 20 years. Um, yes. <laughs> they're great. I like Cheerios. They're good for her too. But also it's one less decision I have to make in the morning is when I always have the same breakfast. I have my coffee. I, we set a timer on the coffee so it's ready in the morning. All these things are less decisions that I have to make. So that's kind of how I get my morning started is actually really setting myself up for success the night before. Oh, I love this so much. I do a, a masterclass every few months and I talk about decision fatigue. And it's so amazing how you've basically stacked a whole bunch of habits together in the evening that allow for you to make less decisions in the morning. And yes. the other thing that I love about what you're talking about in the evening with the routine is that the evening routine where you're getting ready for the next morning in itself is a routine that helps you get ready for bed. So it's kind of giving your brain that, oh, we're going to go to bed soon, which will give your brain the like, it's time to shut down soon messages. So that's fantastic. And such a great strategy to make sure that your day is successful when you get ready the night before. So especially when you have a small little person that needs your attention first thing in the morning, wonderful strategy. Yes, who is also very unpredictable. I've tried to implement better or more lengthy morning routines before, but she doesn't always wake up at the same time, right? And I know if people have pets, or they have kids, sometimes that's variable, right? It's hard to stick to a strict morning schedule if she's going to wake up, I don't know, sometime in this hour window that could be anywhere from 5.30 till 7, basically. Sure, right? yeah. So that really helps me too when that part of my day is actually a bit out of my control. Um, the other thing that maybe you'll find interesting is that when I was getting ready for this class that I was doing about decision fatigue, one of the things that came up was that on food alone, so this comes back to your Cheerios, on food alone, the average person makes 220 decisions about food every day. So yeah. you've made many less decisions about food when it's Cheerios every day for 20 years <laughs> or whatever right. it is. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I, this is another you know habit that we get into is I, I meal plan every week. I've done that for years as well as every Sunday I sit down and I make a quick list of what we're going to have for supper each night. And then I grocery shop based on that. And that also is one less decision than we have to make. So when I come home at five o'clock, I pick my daughter up from school. My husband just gets home from work too. We don't have to sit and think about what we're going to have for supper because we already had that planned out on Sunday. It works yeah. Really well. There's something magic about removing that psychic load of what's for dinner. You already know. Amazing. Cool. All right. Now, the other thing I want to ask you is, is there any specific habit that you are currently working on in your life or that you have set a goal for, for this year? I exercise is regular physical activity. Let's call it that is my current goal. That is something that I have been, especially in pandemic times, because I am a person that I really need external cues and motivators for exercise. So I love going to the gym. It gets me, as soon as I walk in the doors, I get into like exercise mode and I feel good and the atmosphere helps me exercise. And then we had, you know, gyms have been closed here for months and months and months, right? Yeah, or they've definitely. been open for like a week at a time. And so having to form this regular physical activity routine has been challenging because my brain for years had this habit of I finish work, I go to the gym, I go home. That's my routine. And so now I finish work and I go home and my brain wants to go into home, yeah. mode, right? Which is like, I want to put my sweatpants on and like sit around and play 
with my family. And so that's a habit that I've been working on. And I've tried a few different things because my schedule is a bit um, inconsistent in some ways right now, partly because of my daughter. I'll blame her for some of this, but not (laughs) entirely um, because of her. And so we're really trying to, um, that's another thing that I plan out for the week on Sundays is I sit down and look at my schedule for the week and I plan when I can have exercise or activity times, even if it's just going for a walk with her at the end of the day or taking her to the park or whatever it is, I can get my body moving. And then having those set times really helps me stick to that habit. Awesome. Good. Well, and you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about this in an upcoming segment in this episode, but I feel you on the consistent exercise because that's, Mm -hmm. that's been a challenge for me as well. All right. Now I'd love it if you could give us a bit of a tour around our brains and let us know how to use its default systems to improve our habits and also boost our productivity. So I would love it if you could walk us through some habits that we can do for those things. Absolutely. Kind of the key takeaway when it comes to your brain and productivity is to keep in mind that your brain only has so many resources. You talked about decision fatigue in the masterclass that you run and decision fatigue really happens when we're using up all those mental resources. And sometimes we forget, just like you said, how many of those choices or things that we have to do every day. If we're making hundreds of decisions about food every day, that's pulling our mental resources. And often a lot of the habits that we've gotten into in our day, both the physical habits that we do, the mental habits that we do, pull those brain resources away, make our brain less efficient. So when our brains are less efficient, we're not as good at problem solving. We're not as good at critical thinking. We're not as good at remembering that thing that we need to get done or staying focused on that task. And so we end up being less productive because we're not at max efficiency. Amazing. Okay, cool. And do you find in your practice, because what I find in mine is that what you're talking about is often related to those busy managers of all the things like the moms of the households. They're like really susceptible to this sort of overwhelm of having to keep everybody's information in their brain and having all the decisions. And so the efficiency goes way down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is a, a great place to start of one of those bad mental habits is all the mental clutter that we have. And that can be things as simple as keeping your to-do list in your brain. If I'm thinking about, you know, I need to get these 10 things done at work and then I get home and I need to do this with my family and I need to plan supper and I need to get my daughter ready for this class and I need to get everyone ready for bed. All of those thoughts are draining our mental resources. So if I'm trying to focus on something right now, it's going to be really tough for my brain to do because my brain's going with all of these things. A great strategy that I love that I use all the time is I am pretty old school, so I like everything done on pen and paper still. So I have a notepad next to me all the time when I'm working. And if one of those thoughts pops in, one of those things of like, oh, I need to do this too, I write it down. And the reason I do that is because by me writing it down, it's that I can pull that thought out of my brain. So it's one last thing that's pulling my mental resources away. Um, I'm also a visual learner. So writing things down is a great strategy for me to remember later. Rather than keeping all those thoughts in your head, writing them down really quickly allows your brain to stop focusing on that thought, gets rid of some of that mental clutter and can get you back on track. Awesome. Um, Tell us a little bit, this reminds me, tell us a little bit about the people that think they're fantastic multitaskers and they're doing all the things all the time. Yes, that is a great point. So actually our brains cannot multitask. What they do is they switch really fast back and forth between doing two 
things. So my brain shifts its focus back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It happens so fast that you feel like you're multitasking, but you're really not. And all of those shifts pull mental resources. They drain your brain, right? And it makes sense. If I'm having to switch back and forth between doing two things over and over and over and over and over again, that's not very efficient for our brains. Even simple multitasking, right? So I am trying to work on a project and someone's over here talking to me. That's actually your brain trying to multitask and it's going to reduce your efficiency. All of those distractions, all of trying to do two things or 20 things or 30 things at once, really pull your brain's focus and really make your brain less efficient. So you're going to end up being less productive when you're trying to multitask versus just focusing on one task until it's done, moving on to the next task. So do you have any specific things that you would pass on to your patients to help them sort of get rid of the habit of multitasking? Yeah, you know, the best place to start is to really reduce all of those distractions that you can. So if I am in the habit of trying to do a whole bunch of things at once, say to myself, okay, I'm going to sit down and work work on this one thing for 20 minutes until it's done. Then I'm going to move on to the other thing. Multitasking and distraction really go hand in hand because a lot of the Um, multitasking that our brain has to do is because of distractions. So that strategy, again, that I mentioned of if something comes up and you start to get your attention pulled away to this other task, write it down or put it away, Um, reducing all of those distractions in your environment. For example, email is a great distractor. I close my email when I'm working on tasks. I don't have alerts popping up because every time I go to respond to an email while I'm working on this project, it's going to make me less efficient. So anything you can do to get rid of the clutter in your mind, but also in your environment is going to help reduce that multitasking pull. Yeah. It's kind of like one of the things that uh, my podcast partner Jenny and I did when we did our uh, digital detox habit challenge was we turned off all notifications for all social media and email. And I have found it really has made a difference in terms Mm -hmm. of me not feeling so overwhelmed of always changing directions with what I'm doing. So I still do it quite a bit, change directions, but I do it less than I did. So um, now the other thing that uh, maybe is related to this is in your day, some people just want to go, go, go and go from like eight in the morning until nine at night and never stop. What does that do for their efficiency? Yeah, it's not great. That's for sure. And I know it feels like we're being productive. That's the hard part, right? So I feel like my brain says, if I just keep going and I keep working, I'm going to get more done. But that's not actually the case. There's a lot of research on this. Basically, your brain can stay focused on one thing for about 60 to 90 minutes. After that, you start to be less productive. So if I am saying, I'm just going to sit here and work on this task all day and I'm not going to take any breaks, I'm going to work through my lunch, that's actually going to mean you're going to get less done in the long run. And again, I know it feels like that should be a good strategy, right? Like if I just sit here and do it, that's going to be better, but not actually for your brain because your brain can't maintain focus for long enough. And you've probably noticed that before yourself, and I'm sure all of your listeners have too, is that the longer I'm working on something, the more easily I get distracted. It's like, oh, look, all of a sudden I'm looking out my window every five seconds rather than working on what I'm doing. Or you are pulling up social media and checking other things. That's a really good sign that your brain needs a break. If you're starting to get distracted or feeling like you're not thinking as clearly as you need to, you're probably getting close to that 60 to 90 minute mark. And even getting up for just a five or 10 minute break, get up from your desk, go do something else for a few minutes and coming back can be a really good break, can allow your brain to get those resources 
feedback that it needs. So other than those little five to 10 minute breaks, is there some other strategy that you could suggest in terms of planning your day, in terms of how you set up your day that would be helpful, again, to increase your efficiency or productivity? Yeah. So I know I mentioned that I'm a big pre-planner. I plan the night before for everything, or I plan a lot of my week on Sunday as well. And one thing that I do is I when I'm looking at my day, I don't book longer than 60 to 90 minutes for each task. So I actually, this is one thing I do use an electronic scheduler for is I use just my Google calendar and I put those blocks in for those tasks. And so I know at the end of that time, I have to move on to something else or at least take a little bit of a break. I always give myself um, time for a real lunch break, even if that's just 30 minutes where I go and I will read or I listen to a podcast or do something else that's not going to be as um, resource pulling for my brain as well. Another strategy that I find really helpful for increasing our kind of our mental efficiency is what's called chunking tasks. And so the idea here is that when we group things that are similar together, it's easier for our brains. So our brains kind of get into a work mode, right? If you've ever felt like you're really in the flow or really in the groove at work, you kind of know what I'm talking about here is that once we start, I know you talk about this on your show as well, is once we start with activity, our motivation grows and our brain wants to keep working on that task. And so when I'm scheduling my week, I also try and do similar tasks on the same day. For example, I dedicate clinical days to myself. I still have a clinical practice and the work that I do in my clinical practice is very different than the work that I do with my podcast or with my online resources. It's a really different mindset that I have to be in. So I try and chunk those tasks together. When I record podcast episodes, I try and plan, you know, two days where I record a whole bunch of episodes together. So my brain can really get in that groove and really get in that efficient pattern of thinking rather than again, having to switch back and forth and back and forth. If I record one podcast episode, then I work with some clients and then I'm answering emails and all of these things is forcing my brain to switch gears and to have to take on new mental load. Uh, it's, I'm hearing all of these things and I need to hear them again, Nicole, every day. So thank you. And I'm sure my listeners will appreciate them as well. These are such good reminders. And you talk about, you know, we've talked about your morning routine. Is there something specific about routines that are magic for this as well that you could pass on to people, some strategies around routines? Yeah. Routines, again, are just a really great way for your brain to save those mental resources for what really matter. Um, I joked about eating Cheerios every day for 20 years, but it really is one less decision that my brain has to make. I don't have to think very hard when I get up in the morning because I know where my Cheerios are. I don't have to stare at my cupboard and think, what am I going to make for everyone for lunch or for breakfast this morning? I'm not losing those resources. And the more routine that we can make for our brain, um, the easier it is for our brain to to remember. Our brains actually have different um, different memory systems. Um, just a quick quick story here, actually. There is this really famous patient in the neuroscience world called Patient H.M. So H.M. back in the 50s, his name is actually, his name's Henry. He's passed away since then, so we know what his name is. But um, back in the 50s, Henry had really bad epilepsy, a really bad seizure disorder. And his seizures couldn't, they tried lots and lots of medications and they couldn't control his seizures. They tried everything that they could. So what they decided to do, his medical team decided to do this new procedure called, it's called a temporal lobectomy. Basically what it is, is they remove part of the brain called the temporal lobes. 
So remember, this is like, and this is coming on 70 years ago now. This is quite a ways back. We didn't know as much about the brain as we did then. And because Henry's seizures were so bad, they decided to take out the temporal lobes from both sides of his brain, both the right side and both the left side. Worked really well for his seizures. His seizures got much better, which was fantastic. But the problem was, is that Henry struggled to form any new memories after the surgery. We learned through Henry's experience and experience of others that um, these parts of the brain, the temporal lobes, specifically the medial temporal lobes, are really important for some types of memory. But here's the most interesting part. This is the part I love about Henry's story, is there was a very famous Canadian neuropsychologist named Dr. Brenda Milner who worked with Henry for like 50 years. And she would go and visit Henry and she would um, she would have him do tests. And every time Dr. Milner came to see Henry, he wouldn't remember who she was. He was not able to make new memories. He didn't remember anything that happened basically after his surgery. So every time she came, she had to introduce herself again. Henry would be like, okay, nice to meet you. And they would do these tasks. And the most interesting part is that even though Henry never remembered meeting Dr. Milner, his performance actually got better on some of these tasks. He never remembered having done them before. He thought they were brand new every time, but his performance improved over time. And the reason for this, we now know, is there are different parts of your brain involved in different parts of memory. There's that type of conscious memory, we call it declarative um, memory, where we we know this information, um, it comes to us, we can think about it, you know, the last time what I ate for breakfast, what I did yesterday, that's one type of memory. But we also have these implicit memory systems in our brain that learn without us even being aware. And that's where routine becomes really important because the more that we do routine, just like that's really what Henry's brain was doing is he'd done these tasks so many times, they were becoming routine for his brain, even though he never remembered doing them. So we can use routine to our advantage when it comes to our brains and make it almost something we don't have to do, you know, we can do it without thinking, right? Is the more that these implicit memory systems take over in our brain with these routines and with habits, the less we have to think day to day, the easier it is, the more brain resources are left for the tasks that really matter. Oh my gosh. My inner nerd is so happy that you told this story. Thank you, Nicole. I love it. (laughs) It's pretty cool. You can, there's some good resources online. You can learn more about his story. It's pretty remarkable. And I love the Canadian connection with Uh, Go Canada. That's right. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So these are all amazing strategies and um, great information to pass on so that people can be more productive and efficient in using their brains day to day. Is there anything else that you want to sort of like wrap it all up with that would be helpful as sort of like a what's the first strategy somebody could try if they want to be more productive so that their brain can actually take a little break instead of being all the things all the time and having memory troubles. Mm-hmm. I would say routine is a great place to start is make as much of your day as simple as possible. Think about those things like I shared, picking out my clothes the night before, making my lunch the night before. All of that reduces how much work your brain has to do. So look at your daily life. Take a look at your calendar. What on that can you make routine? Can you make automatic? Can you make as effortless as possible for your brain and start pulling those tasks away? Awesome. Amazing. All right, now we are going to move on to a new segment, which is called, uh, What Are You Into Lately? In this segment, we share something that we are loving, that we find useful or practical, or just something that is pure frivolity and fun. And since Nicole is here this week, she has agreed to play along in this segment. So I'm going to go first to show you how it works, Nicole. So the thing that I'm into is a habits hack 
that has been surprisingly effective for me over the past few weeks. So I've alluded to it a couple of times lately, but I really want to make a point to share it here more formally in this segment today, because I feel like there may be someone who can put this hack into play and get the same results I'm getting. And this calls back to what you were saying about your exercise earlier, Nicole. So my listeners are aware also that despite having the specific goal to exercise regularly, I have struggled with getting it locked in consistently, especially when I'm just, quote, training for life. So in the past, when I trained for specific races, there were a few months um, where it seemed like it was easier to stick to the plan because I had this goal. But then, of course, as soon as the race was over or the event was over, I regressed back to sitting on the couch and eating chips and dip, which was my excellent exercise plan. So Here's what's been working for me that has allowed me to be consistent with my exercise for the past three weeks, every Monday to Friday. So here's what it is. I love, love, love my morning coffee. So I decided that I'm not allowed to have my coffee until the exercise is done. And it is surprisingly effective. So we've talked on a show before about pairing habits or habit stacking. And this pair is what I've been looking for and it's working. So if you love your coffee too, and you've been struggling to get your exercise plan to stick or any other healthy habit that is part of your morning routine, give this a try. So does this, does this resonate for you at all? Do you love your coffee enough that you would want to do this? Or this maybe having your, your daughter in the play is hard to make this work. Uh, I do love my coffee a lot, but I feel like coffee is like a need for me almost. I'm a pretty big caffeine addict. And so I don't know if I could actually get my brain to function to coordinate exercise before, before the coffee. my coffee, but I'm going to find something else that I can make myself have to wait for. I'm sure there is something that I can use as like a reward. Yeah. Right? It's, it's yeah. surprisingly effective. So if you can find like it, amazing. That. All right, mm -hmm. Nicole, what are you into lately? You know what I would recommend for everyone is a book that I've read, read it a couple times. It is fantastic. It is called Rejection Proof. The author's name is Jia Jing. It is very funny, but also really insightful. Here's the kind of short version of what this book is about. So um, Jia Jing, this man, he has this lifelong goal of being an entrepreneur. And he decides, he has this idea for an app, and he decides that he's going to go all in for six months on this goal. So he quits his job. He has this great idea. He hires a team. He develops this app. He's like so excited. And he goes to pitch it for this group of investors, and they say no. They shot him down. And he feels horrible about himself. He's like, oh my gosh, like I quit my job. Like my family's counting on me. Like I thought this was such a great thing. And so he decides that he never wants to feel this way again. So he sets out on this quest to, he calls it his 100 days of rejection challenge. And he comes up with these a little bit out there ideas of ways that he's going to test himself and go into situations where he's likely to get rejected. So he can build up kind of the strength, right? So that like when someone turns me down in the future, I'm not going to cry myself to sleep at night. And some of them are hilarious. He, you know, asks a stranger for money. And when they say no, he shares about how he like runs and hides around the corner and he asks like he goes into a donut shop and gets them to like ask them to create this really crazy donut concoction and so he shares all these experiences but also what he learns about why we fear rejection and so he does a lot of research because one of the interesting things that he finds is that it gets easier over time and he also gets better at it so people stop saying no as often because he finds ways to ask in a certain way that they're more likely 
to say yes, even though he's asking for these super crazy things. So he shares a lot about his experience of, you know, overcoming this fear of rejection and about how it's one of those mental stories that we create of we think things are going to be awful. So he talks about how he imagines when he asks a stranger for money, like all the horrible things that they're going to do, but it's not actually that bad, right? Like they say no, and then he like runs away and that's the end of the story. So it's very funny, but also really insightful, shares a lot of really great strategies for if that's something that you struggle with. And a lot of us who are people pleasers, that's one of our our struggles is we worry about letting people down or upsetting someone or people not liking us or um, are rejecting us. And so we share some really great strategies as well. And it's very, it's a very funny book. Amazing. I love this. Okay. So I'll definitely include a link to that in the show notes for any listeners who might be interested in that rejection proof book. And uh, I expect that my listeners will be excited to learn more about you, Nicole. So where can they find you on the interwebs and on the socials? And how can they get more info about you, your podcast, or maybe they just want to say hi. And also, is there anything that you would like to share with them? For sure. Um, Great place to find me is on my website. It's drnicolebyers.com. You can access my podcast, The Bold Life, on there as well. I also have a quiz. I know you're a fan of quizzes too. I have a quiz up on my website. It's called What's Your Stress Personality? There's a link when you log in to the website. It's super fun. Um, And what you do is you go through these series of questions and then you'll get some feedback on what's your personality style when it comes to handling stress? How do you tackle pressure? How do you deal with overwhelm? And then some really specific strategies based on your unique style to help you feel less overwhelmed day to day, feel less stressed out and feel more confident and more productive in your daily life. Awesome. Okay. We'll definitely link all of those up in the show notes. And Nicole, thank you again so much for being here. It was lovely. And I love uh, interviewing and chatting with a fellow Canadian, especially one who is a hashtag nerd alert like me. (laughs) And uh, hopefully we can chat again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my guest, Dr. Nicole Byers. All the links to check out her podcast and say hello to her on the socials will be in the show notes. For questions or comments, send an email to The Improvement Project at drpeggymalone.com. You can come and say hi on the socials. I'm on Instagram at drpeggymalone. You can always get my attention by using the hashtag The Improvement Project. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at theimprovementproject.com. If this episode was helpful at all for you, please be sure to tell a friend and share it with them. This is the number one way that new listeners find this podcast. So if you found it helpful or entertaining, pass it on. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join our community. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it. Mm